Good morning. There we go. And happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the room or granddads or whatever else may be going on. Uh, it is a big day. It is a special day. Um, but I do have to tell you, uh, for those of you that aren't aware of this, for pastors in particular, we tend to get a little salty about Father's Day. Just a little bit, because statistically, Father's Day is the least attended Sunday of the entire year in churches, okay? The part of that is summer starting up, and, you know, people are starting to go on vacations, and people are doing that like crazy now, making up for last year. But part of it, frankly, is because Father's Day comes around, and the family says, Dad, it's going to be your day. What do you want to do? And unfortunately, there aren't many fathers that say, I want us to go worship together as a family. All right, so it's easy to get a little salty about that, but thankfully, I want to thank you because at Carolina Family Church, I haven't had to do that <laughs> because you're not like that. And so being good leaders and good fathers and good examples to your families, that you, when your family says, what do you do on Father's Day, your answer is, I want to go to church and I want to worship to, even if a tropical storm is coming through. I don't care if it's raining, we're going anyway. And so I'm so thankful that you're here and that you're doing that. And I know that Father's Day is a, can be a mixed bag of emotions for people because every all of us had different examples of fathers in our life. I know there are some of you that you don't even know who your dad was. And so you go through all the stuff that goes along with that. Or some of you had a father, but he was there, but then he was gone and he left at some point. Or he was there for your whole childhood, but he wasn't there, you know, for whatever reason. And then some of you had tremendous examples of fathers and all across that board. So I know that this day can be a mixed thing. And so we want to focus on what a father should be and what a father can be and be thankful for that. And we'll talk about God today and what that means for us. All right, thankfully, I'll tell you that for me, I had a great example of a father, and I'm ex extremely thankful for that. A tremendous man of God, faithful to our family, faithful to his church, faithful to his community. And uh, I'll say I know that that definitely gave me a, a head start in the how to be a decent dad department. So <laughs> I don't take that for granted. I'm super thankful for it. But I know that not everybody had it um, because we, we're all over the map when it comes to dads in our society. I actually uh, overheard an interesting conversation this week. Um, and it's, uh, most of you probably don't know this, but I've actually uh, picked up working a little bit with uh, A.J. Ebersold's family company, ESI Security. They do, like, cameras and door access locks and banks and universities and things like that. And I've been working with him a little bit to help out because they've got a big project right now at, um, at North Carolina A&T University. So a good way to, they're building a $90 million science building. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Um, and uh, it's a way to help him out, but also make a little bit of money so I can finally get out of that blue minivan I'm driving and get a, get a truck. So, uh, so yeah, so <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty excited about that. Hey, you know, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I like I want I've been on the truck for a long time, but like we can't afford it. So I was like, some some more income's got to come, and that's the way that happens. So yeah, so anyway, so helping him out, helping me out, it's working. The truck's on its way. It'll be here in about two weeks. Anyway, uh, that's a side story. So yeah, and then I'll quit. No. So anyway, so I, I'm working. I was working up this week at uh, at Auntie, and I was putting a like a card access reader on the wall, right? And um, so I'm doing that while there's a couple guys from the overall company, the 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 general contracting company, who are doing baseboards over here. And one's an older guy, and one's a younger guy. And I hear the older guy talking to the younger guy because the younger guy apparently just got in a relationship or just got married or something, and to him and saying, hey, listen, don't, like, don't rush into to becoming a father, 
right? Like, don't rush into that because it's a big responsibility and you need to take it seriously. You need to take it seriously. There's too many people in our society that are having kids and then just running on their family. They're just leaving, right? You can't have that. You don't need to do that. Don't let yourself fall into that. Don't do that until you are ready to, to carry that responsibility. And I was like, all right. Like, I'm ready to go over there and just go over his shoulder and be like, amen. Amen. That's right. Like, I'm ready. I'm over there. I'm just ready. I'm going to start Matt talking the guy, you know. I'm just going to start coaching the guy up. Like, yeah, go ahead. Like, get it. Like, I was, I was super proud of this guy for the way he was encouraging and challenging that young guy, right. And then, and then I keep hearing the conversation. He's, he's like, I, listen, I got four kids. I got four kids. And I'm, I committed myself that I was going to be a father to them. And I was going to hold up that responsibility. And I've been able to do it. He said, I see them every single year on their birthday. And I make sure I send them a present every Christmas. And I was like, okay, all right. So <laughs> that's not what I was expecting to hear, right? And I thought, okay, first thought, is this honestly the standard? Is this the standard that we're holding ourselves to? And my first thought, and, and hear me out on the rest of this, but my first thought was to judge him. Like, whoa, you're not a good dad at all. <laughs> or like, that's like, I don't know if that's minimum or not. I don't know where the minimum is, you know? Like, first thought was to judge him. But then my second thought on the back of it is, maybe that is his standard. Like, maybe, maybe that's a huge step up from whatever he had as a father. Maybe that, maybe that for him is progress compared to what he's experienced. Or maybe he lives in a community and surrounded by people where that is the standard of what a father is supposed to be. And so he does think he's doing good and doing all that he's supposed to be doing for his kid because everyone around him is telling me, man, you're a great dad. You, you see him on their birthday and send him a Christmas present. You see, we have, and I don't want to be a Dougie Downer about this, okay? But that's my middle name. Dougie Downer, I don't want to drag us down, but we have a presence problem with fathers in America. And I can't speak for outside of that. I can speak for right here. We got a presence problem. We have, we have an epidemic of absence, and we have to do something about it. And I know that even in this room that you all had different examples of what that looks like and what progress. And we're all on, on a, we're all on a spectrum of growth and improving and trying to do. Like for me, I know I said I have like an, an advantage because I had such a great dad. I could just look at him and be like, I'll just do what he did. And that, that gives me a head start. I get that. But some of you are starting from zero. And you're trying to figure out how to do this thing without having an example. Well, I want you to know, first and foremost, you've got examples right here. You've got examples right here that you can learn from and that you can listen to and you can talk to built right into this church. But we have an epidemic of absence. And I don't know what causes that exactly. It's probably different in different cases. But I'm sure a lot of it comes back to selfishness. A lot of it comes back to fear and, and fear of inadequacy. A lot of it comes back to pride. Or, or comes back to productivity. <laughs> You're just working all the time. you got a career to build and all that. A lot of different reasons that might happen, but it's a, it's a problem. And not just with being physically present, but with being mentally present and being emotionally present and being spiritually present with your family. Many years ago, I was at a conference in Atlanta, and uh, as part of the conference, there was a guy who got up, and he did a spoken word poem. His name's Propaganda. He's a hip-hop artist, and, and uh, he's one of my favorites. I've listened to all his albums. He's, he's fantastic. And he got up and gave this uh, spoken word poem to a huge crowd, thousands upon thousands of ministry leaders 
who, by the way, often run themselves ragged and neglect their family in the process. And when he did this, it just, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the room, and it stuck with me forever. And I thought it was really appropriate that we might want to listen to it today together and uh, take it in the same way that I was able to take it in many years ago. So I found it on YouTube, okay? And the, uh, the, vi- the, audio qu- or the video quality isn't all that great, but the audio is good. And so I just want to take a moment to listen to that and watch that together. All right, let's watch that. So I tend to think of life in terms of movie clips or, or tweetable moments. Somehow I've convinced myself they last longer that way. And my wife proved me wrong when she referred to my phone as my black wife. Now, I thought it was funny. I mean, we, we both giggled. Now, single men take notes. Now, I'm no expert, but I don't think she was kidding. She talked about some other stuff, which I really don't remember. I was too busy in my head composing a tweet where I would quote her with some sort of clever hashtag about marriage and about how much I love her to be paying attention to her at that moment. I think what snapped me back in was the silence, which indicated I was supposed to have some sort of response to whatever she was talking about. I told my father that story in hopes to get a little sympathy. My father, civil rights and Vietnam War vet, hopelessly charming on his fourth marriage father. And rather than the customary nod that men give each other when they understand, he proceeded to tell me why he failed as my mother's husband. He said it was the same reason half of his platoon died in Vietnam, and the same reason you are deathly afraid of your daughter becoming a teenager's son. You can't hear past the explosions, either the ones that already happened or the ones you anticipate, see the former, paralyzes, living life in a rear-view mirror, driving full speed across traffic into the center divider, so shell-shocked, you too stupid to duck when bullets are flying, or the latter, your life a game of capture the flag, so focused on the finish line, you stepped right on a landmine, so ready to attack the day, frustrated because you can't find your keys, focused on the meetings you finna miss and the traffic you finna sit in to realize you've been holding your keys the whole time. Slow down. You've been hypnotized by the possibility. Son, I couldn't hear past the bombs. The first one didn't kill me, and the second one ain't even happened. Yet it ended our family. He told me a love story of a woman born before him. He said, but I knew her from before, and at the moment of conception, there was an eternal connection. And although I didn't know it then, I'd fight for her affection. It's this war we've been waging since day one of creation. And only when you lose her do you learn to appreciate her. Like even when I'm with her, I'm itching to get rid of her. And she only gives you one shot. Blow it and she's gone. And I took advantage of her. That's why I'm telling you this, son, you can't rush her or slow her down. You better keep her on your side. She will slip through your fingers like sand. Her name is Time. And she told me a secret. She said multitasking is a myth. 
You ain't doing anything good, just everything awful. And she begged me to stop stretching her thin and stuffing her full and stop being so concerned with the old her and future her, but love her now. Her presence is God's present and you should be that huh, present. So I guess you could say, well, I guess I can say I've been through a divorce now. Me and my phone are no longer married. I think I'm ready to be here now. Man, that, that has stuck with me. In fact, I have it memorized at this point. As it's, one of, it's on one of his albums as well, that same recording. And it stuck with me and reminded me that as a father, as a husband, as a leader, I have to stop. It's, it's the fear of what's happened or the, the, what can paralyze you from the past. And stop being concerned with what's coming and what's coming up. But be right here. And I have to remember that particularly with my kids in order to see what's happening with them to be aware of what's going on in their life and to see what the like character development that's happening and what needs they have and all of that. I got to be here in order to do that. And so if you found yourself distracted, whether that's by work or your fear of what's happened or what you've been through in the past or the example that's been set for you or that's crippled you or paralyzed you, I just want to encourage you to say, not me. I'm here. I'm here now, and I'm going to fulfill the responsibilities that are in front of me. And that's it. And I know that's a challenge. And I know that's a big challenge to dads, but listen, everybody in the room, whatever relationship you're in, whatever responsibility you have to say, I am present and I am here and I'm committed to this. I feel like this in many ways wraps up a lot of what we've been talking about in this entire series. And some of you may look and say, you know, I don't have an example of that. I didn't have a dad that was like that. I didn't have that in my life. And you may not have but you do if you look in the right place. Because in this series, the L word, we're learning to love from love himself. And God is our heavenly father. And he is a good father. And I want you to know that he is present with you. He's present with us right now. He is aware of you. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows all the ins and outs of you. He knows what's going on in your life right now. He knows what you're afraid of. He knows what you're excited about. He knows what you're terrible at. <laughs> and he knows what you're great at. <laughs> he knows what you're, uh, what, the joy that you have. He knows the anxiety that you have. He knows all of it. And he cares about it. Because he loves you. And he wants what's best for you. And he wants to transform you into the image of his son, which is what's best for you. And so even if you don't have an example of that on earth, even if you don't have a father who's like that, you do have a father who's like that. That we can look to example. He is present. He's active. He's aware. Some people think that God is, doesn't care about us. It's not true. I promise you, if he didn't care about us, he never would have sent his son here to die for us. He cares about you. Some people think God is aloof or disinterested. He's not. He's here. He cares. Some people God think God that just he created all of this and then spun it off into oblivion and left us alone. He's not done that. He is not an absentee father. He is here. And he's here with you. And you can trust him. He's good. 
I think it's so beautiful when, when uh, King David is, is writing about Jesus, or not about Jesus, he's writing about God, his father, sorry, force of habit. He's writing about God in the Psalms, in Psalm 139. I'm just going to read it, and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation because I love the psalm is, Psalms is poetry, and I love the way that, that the New Living Translation handles poetry. All right, so Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. Oh, Lord, maybe this would just, maybe in your own head, in your own heart, you just make this yours, you know? This is me. I say the same thing that he said. Here we go, verse 1. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Even every day, my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I want to remind you that God loves you and he knows you and he has known you. <laughs> this is one of the reasons that we so vehemently support the Pregnancy Support Center. We know that God knows these children. He knows them before they're born. And so we want to see them become all that God wants them to be. And God knows you. And he loves you. Personally. He is not too busy. He's not too busy for you. He is not too important for you. It's not like he's got bigger fish to fry and he doesn't care about what's going on in your life. He is not overwhelmed at work. So he doesn't have time for you. He is here. He is not tired, exhausted. He doesn't need a nap when you need something. <laughs> he is here, and he loves you. John, the Apostle John put it this way, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. What an honor that we, sinful, fallen, broken people, could become children of God, the best Father there is. That we could be forgiven of our sin. That He, in His grace, would send His own Son to die in our place. That Christ would live here and that He would die on the cross and pay for our sin on the cross. 
that by the grace of God, that when we put our faith in Jesus for salvation, he'd forgive us and we could become his child. How incredible is that? How amazing is that? And that he would lead us and he would guide us and he would be our father. God would be our father. Unbelievable. And not only is the father with us, but the son is with us too. He is present. God sent his son here to earth. He lived a life without sin here. John puts it this way, the word, he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So we got to see him live. We got to watch the father-son relationship unfold right in front of our very eyes here on earth, the perfect relationship. The kind of relationship that God calls us to with him. And not only was he here, but he's still here. He's still here. As he was getting ready to ascend back to the Father after his resurrection, he looks at his closest friends that he knows he's about to leave physically and send them out to do incredible ministry, but also to face all kinds of issues in life. And he says this, Matthew chapter 28, we call it the Great Commission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is present with us, aware of what he's called us to, and walking with us. And not only that, very tangibly, the Father is with us, The Son is with us, and as a confirmation of His presence and leadership in our life, the Spirit is with us as well. All three. It never ceases to amaze me how many times I'm preparing a message for this, you know, for these services, and I'm trying to find a way to lay this thing out and organize this thing and to understand how God is with us or how He loves us or how He, you know, sacrifices for us or whatever. And as I start to lay it out, all of a sudden I realize it's always the same thing. And I hope you're not getting sick of it because it is always the same thing. <laughs> it's always what God the Father does in and through us, what Jesus does in and through us, and what the Spirit does in and through us. It's always those three things. And He's given us the Spirit as a confirmation and a guide and a companion and a counselor and a comforter that we need as we walk through life. Paul puts it this way in Galatians, Galatians chapter 4. said, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, which is a a, term of endearment, daddy, Abba, Father. It's closeness and relationship, Abba. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. He is with you. He is with you. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. We talked about that in the series. He will neither do it consciously or unconsciously. He will neither step away nor slip away. He is with you always. He's a good father, and he will not abandon you. He will not leave you ever, 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 and you never have to fear that. And he's confirmed that by giving his spirit. The spirit his spirit would be in you. John, again, puts it this way in 1 John chapter 3. 
He said, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus and love one another as he has given us commandment. Now, he who keeps his commandments, what he just said, believing in Jesus and loving one another, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. God is with you. Spirit confirms it. Jesus walks with you. You never have to be alone. You can trust him. So don't believe. If you ever feel like you're alone, or if you ever feel like God doesn't love you, if you ever feel like God has abandoned you, if you ever feel like God has let you down, it's a lie coming from somewhere, but it's not coming from him. At the end of our service today, we're going to sing a song. We haven't done it in a while. We're going to sing a song called Sons and Daughters. And it's about us being the sons and daughters of God and how he's a good father. It's a great song. When we get to the bridge, the line in the bridge is, when the lies speak louder than the truth, remind me that I belong to you. When I can't see past the dead of night, remind me you're always by my side. I know that today on Father's Day, some of you might need to hear that. Might need to hear it for the first time. Might need to know for the first time that you can put your faith in Jesus and by the grace of God, he will forgive you of your sins and you can become a child of God. Maybe you've never had that before. Never had that confidence and you can believe that today. Or maybe you've been walking and you feel like God has walked away or you feel like he's abandoned you or you feel like he's left you. Don't believe the lie. He's there and he loves you and he cares. Maybe you're looking at your responsibilities in your life and you're wondering, where do I go? Where do I look? Where do I find an example of a father who's like the kind of father I want to be? Maybe some of you are dads and you're wondering. Look to him first. And all the things that he is, and if you want to listen back through the, the rest of this series and understand all the attributes of God that we've been learning, things like commitment, things like sacrifice, all these things we've been talking about, maybe that's what needs to be put on as we look at his example what we need to do, knowing that, is we need to look at his example and say, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. So for the people in my life that I'm responsible to, and this goes for all of us in the room, no matter what our relationships look like, the, peop- the relationships that I have in my life, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here now. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be aware, watching. I'm going to care I'm going to watch the people around me develop and help move them to development. I'm going to protect them from the outside things that might come in and harm them. I'm going to build them up and care for them and love them and be aware and present in the moment watching what's happening the same way God is doing for me right now. And I'm trusting him to walk with me as I walk with them. And so I'm going to be all of the things we've talked about in this series. I'm going to the best I can, and I know I'm sinful, and I'm going to make mistakes, but my commitment is that I'm going to be here now doing what I've been called to do. We've talked in this series about being graceful and truthful at the same time. The perfect mix of grace and truth. We just read that in one of the verses a little bit ago. Graceful and truthful. I'm going to be committed And that's going to bring confidence to our relationships because they're going to know I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be intentional 
I'm going to look at how they're developing. I'm going to look at where they are and who they are and, who, and be more concerned about who they're becoming than how they're behaving. Right? I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be strategic and purposeful in my relationship with them, the same way God is with us. I'm going to be sacrificial. I'm going to lay down my life for them rather than asking them to lay down their life for me because that is love. And I'm here, and I'm doing that, and I'm going to be that. I'm going to correct them, and I'm going to teach them, and I'm going to guide them, not out of a spirit of judgment, judgmentality, but that's probably not a word, is it? Nah, yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean. All right? I'm going to correct them, and I'm going to guide them, and I'm going to teach them, not because I want to put them in their place, not because I want to punish them, but because I want to see them grow, because I love them with all my heart. And so I'm here, and I'm aware of who they are, and I'm helping them to grow. And I'm going to be gracious to them. I'm going to forgive them every time that they wrong me. And I'm going to correct them, and there are going to be consequences on all of that, but I am going to choose to forgive, and that's who I'm going to be. And to me, this entire series comes back to that statement because there are so many, first of all, the sin nature within us that wants to take us off the rails on all of those things. And then the culture and the world around us that wants to take us off the rails on all of those things that we constantly have to say, no, I'm here. I'm here, and this is who I'm going to be. Because this is who God is for me. This is who I am going to be for them. And there is grace for me when I fail, but that's the commitment that I'm making. I want to encourage you in your life and your relationships, whatever they are, that you make the same decision. And you say, I am here, and I'm not going anywhere, and this is who I'm going to be, and I'm not going to let anything change that. The same way that God is for us. The love that he shows us as his father. That we show that to everyone he's entrusted to us. Now, I know that that is a daunting thing. And you may have questions about how to do it practically as part of the reason that God puts us together here. Okay? There are so many people across this church that are faithfully doing these things in their family and in their relationships. And if you need someone to help lead you and guide you and counsel you, to mentor you, we have awesome leaders in this church. We have elders that are committed to this, to helping to lead and guide and encourage and counsel and correct and all those things. And so if you need some help with this, just say something. Okay, you can write it on a connection card. You can go talk to someone at the Resource Center. You can talk to any one of our ministry leaders or anybody on our teams. You can send me an email. You can get us on Facebook. Like, we're here, and we're ready for this. We're doing this together. So if you need help and encouragement, we want to do that together. And the first and most important thing is that we're going directly to God and asking Him to lead us, that we're asking for His leadership in the Spirit to show us how to do this. And so what I want to do right now, I'm going to take a moment and pray. And as we're praying, we're going to ask for that guidance and that leadership from God. And maybe, you, maybe you'd be praying along with me as I pray, or maybe you're just saying your own stuff to him as we're praying. But as we do this together, we're going to pray and call on God for his help and leadership in this. And then we're going to sing. The last thing we're going to do today is we're going to sing, and we're going to sing about the sonship and daughtership that we have in God through Christ. All right, so let's pray together right now. Heavenly Father, we want to come to you and thank you so much that you love us that you've made a way for us to become your child. We thank you that you, in your loving kindness, were willing to send your own son, Jesus, here. Christ, that you were willing 
to give your life, to be obedient, even to the point of death on the cross, and to give your life on the cross in our place. And I say for myself, and for many others in the room, and maybe for someone for the first time today, we believe in you for salvation. We believe it's the way that we're saved. We believe that you took our place as a substitute on the cross. And we receive that. And we know it's only by the grace of God that we are saved. We believe that you were put into a tomb and on the third day you rose again, proving power and victory over death. And knowing you've given us the confidence to know that just as you were raised, we too will be raised. That we have eternal life. That we are a child of God. That we are a son and a daughter of the Father. And so we thank you for that today. And God, right now, I pray that you would remind anybody in the room that needs to be reminded of that today, at whatever level they need to be reminded, that you are good and that you are loving and that you are here and that you care. And so, God, I ask right now that you would, you would seat that deeply in our hearts. And as we look at our relationships in light of your example to us, show us right now where we've fallen short. What do we need to do? What conversations do we need to have? What mental changes do we need to make? What schedule changes do we need to make? What do we need to do at home differently so that we can be present here, now, active, and aware the same way you are with us? Do you need us to reaffirm our commitment to someone so that they they may be living in fear right now that we're going to leave, we're going to walk out, and we need to say, no, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and you can trust me to be here. Do we need to change things around in our life or our schedule so that we can be mentally or emotionally or spiritually present with our families? What do you need us to do? What do you want us to do? How do you want to bring our character, our schedule, our priorities all into alignment with what you have shown us? And God, as we do that and make those decisions, I am so thankful. I am so thankful to be part of a faith community, part of a church where we take this stuff seriously, where we evaluate this stuff together, and where we make decisions together. Where we are aware of what you're doing in us, and we're making steps to walk closely with you. I thank you for that, God. I ask that you continue to do that. I thank you for the, the leaders that you've raised up in this church. People who said, yes, I will put on the character of Christ. Yes, I will be for other people who you are for me. So many that are doing it not only in our church, but are doing it in their families. Thank you for leading them and guiding them, giving the humility to be able to do that, the boldness to be able to do that. I thank you that this is a place where we can all learn and we can all grow and we can encourage and challenge each other. And God, I pray that you would help us to take what is happening here and let it spill over into our community with so many people that don't understand. They don't know what a good father is. They don't know what good relationships look like. They don't know what love is supposed to look like. All they've ever seen is a warped image of what it is. And you are creating us and molding us and building us into something and somebody who can go into our community and show people what that looks like demonstrate it, teach it, train it. And so I pray, God, that you would show us all of the opportunities that you're creating for us to do that, individually with people at work or school or in our family or in our circle of friends, in our community. 
doing it through the church and in organizations or through whatever ministries are out there that we can help support or direct. God, I pray that you continue to do that in us and through us so that we can take what we know and what we see and what you're doing in us and let others see it. And that they too would be drawn into a walk of faith and trust and love with you. We're trusting you to do all of that and we know that it begins today in this room and the decisions that we make and who we're going to be. We love you. We thank you for it. And now, God, we're going to sing to you about how thankful we are to be called your child. It's in your name we pray. Amen.